And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Top Down Perspective Solo Edition for, I guess it's July 25th, the weekend of July 25th. I, as always, am one of your hosts, Paul. Uh, not joining me today, Arshan Booker. We will be hearing from him just like last week, a little bit later. It'll be the same questions and same news stories and stuff like that, so we'll listen to his commentary and all that. I have his audio ready for when I'm done, and you, if you're listening afterwards in the recording like the audio only or the vod you can skip ahead if you want to just ignore me even though i mean kind of hurts man it's kind of a sad thing to do for me but i understand uh for people listening live we will be listening to that as soon as i am finished doing my thing here sean has another busy weekend uh i was not able to make it thursday so we did not do a normal episode because work is terrible, and I would not recommend it to anybody. Unless you like money, and buying things. Like video games. Yeah. Uh, other than that, John is going to be back next week. He has confirmed, unless he gets super, super sick from Concred, Because he has been going to a lot of cons, spending a whole hell of a lot of time in airplanes and hotel rooms and stuff. So, as long as he's okay next weekend he will be here and you will be able to listen to all the stuff he's been up to as for this weekend he is in hamilton ontario for con bravo so anybody listening right now live thank you for being as lame as me and not being able to reach one of the like why is con bravo becoming the new hotspot like i know it's because they've been reaching out to internet e-celebrities and stuff and trying to get people to like garner up interest and it's totally working and it annoys me that my home city of calgary we have a giant expo with like i think way more people come to this one here but nobody on the internet cares about it because there's like very, very, very little Twitter presence. There's, like, no internet presence really there at all. They focus more on the traditional TV, film, media sort of thing, and that's really fucking irritating. I don't know, man. It's weird. But either way, good for Con Bravo. They've been doing this shit right, and that thing is growing pretty quick. Uh, So, yeah, we'll hear more about his adventures there next week. Uh, as for right now, we talk about video games here on the Top Down Perspective, and as Sean has done two days ago, and we will be hearing in about probably half an hour to an hour, let's talk about what I've been playing. So, I finally bought Guild of Dungeoneering and started playing that. For people who don't know what Guild of Dungeoneering is, it is basically like, think of it like you are a dungeon master and you are leading, you're trying to make it so that your characters in your guild, like your players or whatever, are able to level up, get loot, and complete the objectives in a map. And the way you do this is by creating rooms in a square, like a grid sort of thing, and putting certain uh, enemies into rooms, putting certain rooms and corridors down, putting different loot around so to kind of guide them around. You don't control the player characters at all in movement mode. They just kind of go around in whatever path they choose. But you can kind of alter the way they're going to move by either making it so they have to go down a certain path to get to something or putting loot down to kind of, like 
make them diverge off to another path or putting maybe a really scary monster in one spot and then like a little piece of loot and a small monster in another spot that might be more like enticing if they're not leveled up yet. Um, that game was super, super fun though. I think what I like about it is that the way the, the mechanics are for like the battles in the dungeon is that it's a card game basically like on one side of the screen you have your character on the other side you have whatever you're fighting and you each have decks of cards and the cards are different things basically you you both have life totals and the first one to die loses so you don't ever want to die and the cards give you stuff like protection against physical damage protection against magical damage do one to like say four whatever damage like it'll tell you how much damage each card will do one of them say will be like slam or something and you'll do two hearts of damage to the enemy and like another one might be like a quick attack sort of thing where you only do one damage but you have priority so if you both have one health left and you use a quick attack like the way it works is that if you both just use a normal attack, you'll end up killing each other, but really you lose because even though you killed the monster, your character died and that's the end of their travel. So you would do something like the the quick attack to make sure you finish off the monster before their attack hits and stuff so you can make some close calls like that. It's really, really cool. Uh, the biggest problem I have with it is that it focuses a lot on strategy and I found it takes... A few hours of grinding out items and cards and stuff to really give you strategy otherwise you're just kind of put up against these monsters for quests that are really way too hard unless you spend a lot of time just moving around the small dungeons to like level your character up and get better cards as you're going like loot drops or whatever um and that's really irritating. Like, that's something you expect when you're, say, on level 10 or something. But I'm talking about, like, you're on the second or third quest. And it's too much. Like, you're still learning the game. And to put that much of a wall up in front of you right away, it's just kind of not fun. It's not necessarily bad design because they want you to force your character to walk around the dungeon get more loot and experience and stuff like that. So, and the other thing I should say is that anytime you go into a dungeon to do a quest, you do, when you're done that quest or your character dies or something, you don't keep the levels or the loot or the cards. It's all kind of like a roguelike anytime you go in. So you kind of want to get the most of it at when you can when you're in there because the minute you finish that quest and you go to another quest with another character you start off at level one like it's not progress you don't keep like a level 20 bruiser every time you start a new mission with a bruiser he'll be level one and you'll have to do the grinding out again it gets a little monotonous that's probably the biggest problem i have with it but the aesthetic is really really nice and just overall it's really really relaxing like there's some good bard songwriting of, like, your tale um, for when your characters die and stuff like that it, with some nice voiceover work, and it feels really, really good, but it's kind of a time investment for kind of little payoff in the very beginning, so maybe be aware of that if you want to try that out. 
It's a bit expensive, I think. What is it, like $15 or $20 or something? I don't know. Either way, uh, if if that sounds like something you want, like a turn-based kind of card-battling game where you create a dungeon for a character to move around in, it is really, really well done. Like, it works perfectly fine. I've played, I played it probably about three hours the night I got it straight, and I had a blast with it, just putting on a podcast and putting on some of my, like, personal music and stuff like that and just chilling. So, yeah, that's a, that's a really good game. I definitely recommend it, but the price tag might be a little bit much if it's not something you're totally into. Uh, which character types do you play as the most? I liked the Bruiser to begin with because the Bruiser has the, the like, spiky abilities. So anytime he blocks damage from, uh, I think, when he fully blocks physical damage, it's kind of like a Thorns effect and they'll take one extra point of damage. Uh, some of the more interesting stuff is the Cat Burglar. I wasn't expecting, like, I knew it was going to be a rogue, but I was kind of wondering how they were going to throw, like, a thief-slash-rogue class into this world. And the way they do it is just by making the rogue do a shitload of physical damage. Like, right from the get-go, you're able to just kind of... You're really able to just kind of slice and dice some dudes up, and you just get stronger with that. Of course, the payoff is is that you have less health or something like it's you don't have any health regen cards and stuff like that you're kind of meant to go full tilt with it i have i kind of like the apprentice i think it was hmm what the hell was i was it an apprentice uh the the like mage class is totally fine you get fireballs and some cool spells and stuff like that um I'm trying to remember which one it was I didn't like at all. And I can't remember because I think I only played as that class like once or twice. Overall, I really liked the Bruiser, I think, the most. Yeah, I'll probably say Bruiser. How hard does it get in the later game? I didn't get too, too late into it, but it's, um, it gets, it, I wouldn't say it necessarily gets harder per se, it's kind of one of these things that, like, when you first start a quest, you kind of have to, and you face a new mob, you kind of have to fight that mob at some time to really know what cards they play, like, what their specific abilities are that you're going to have to watch out for and stuff and build your deck appropriately for when you're fighting it. So I wouldn't necessarily say it's hard in a traditional strategy way, but more hard as in, you need a lot of patience and grinding to get the stuff you might need to, like, do it easier. Unless you get some lucky draws and stuff, but that's a whole different thing. Um, so anyway, yeah, Guild of Nugenarian, I do highly recommend if you want kind of like a, like a weird card-based D&D or something. I don't know. It's kind of hard to explain. Maybe watch a YouTube video of it and take a look. If it looks like something that you th might think is interesting, you're probably into it enough that I would recommend it. And if you don't think it looks interesting at all, I definitely don't recommend it because it, it, there's enough of a barrier that I could really say you need to kind of want to play it, I think. Okay, so the big thing, and this is what got me in trouble... With uh, Top Down. I was supposed to do this solo cast yesterday because I promised I would. 
Uh, instead, what I did was come. Okay, I come home from work late Thursday night. I get home at about eleven thirty my time p.m. I jump into Terraria with a friend until about four in the morning my time. Log off for a little bit. Come back at five in the morning my time, and basically play until six p.m. last night. And I was going to do the podcast an hour after that. But I don't know what it is, man. Something about 2D side-scrolling parallax, like, camera shit or whatever uh, for, like, 10 to 20 hours when you haven't slept in 30 hours after working a full shift. It made me super, super sick, and I don't recommend anybody do this. Like, I went too hard, and it was... It was so bad. Uh, when I logged off, basically, of course I was tired, like I was sleepy. But more importantly, I was actually physically sore and hurting from sitting co- in computer chairs and stuff. So I stretched a bit, walked around a little bit the house and stuff like that. And then I got this giant migraine headache just kind of out of nowhere. Like there wasn't a build up to it or anything. It just hit me and it fucking floored me. I went down on the couch and I was just like, okay, I have to do the podcast in half an hour. This was at about 6.30. I was like, I have to do the podcast in about half an hour. I'm just going to lay here until that time, and then I'm going to do it no matter what. And I ended up falling asleep, waking up about five hours later, still with a headache. And I've had the headache up until this morning. I actually just got rid of it about a couple hours ago. So um, Terraria, for anybody who doesn't know what that is, think 2D side-scrolling Minecraft with like a progression through the game like there's objectives and things you can do and boss fights so you actually feel like there's a reason to do things where minecraft i feel is very fluffy like just build yourself a house and like hang out and mine stuff like i know there's a progression of minecraft it's not as detailed i feel though um the reason i've been playing terraria lately though is that their patch 1.3 recently came out and the big thing that added was you no longer need a third party like IP hosting service or like dealing with router firewalls and all this other bullshit unless you know how to do that stuff in which then it's easy you just can join people's games now through steam so I've been playing it multiplayer with my friend Ben and it's been a great great time like I've really enjoyed it that being said I went too hard like I said and I probably won't play it again for a while but a thing we did do is we got a few um top-down perspective people not like the hosts or anything but people from the community to join into we made one big world sort of thing and we made a little village and we're all hanging out in there so if you have terraria and you want to join up sometime maybe send me an email or something or tweet me on twitter and let me know i'll start a list if we get enough people and then send out like hey, we're doing this this night, and we'll just open up the server, build a bunch of stuff, kill a bunch of monsters or something. It'll be a good time. Um, there's not a whole lot I can say about that game that I haven't said before. It's still fun. Uh, stupidly addictive. The carrot on the end of the stick looks tastier and tastier every time you get a little closer, or you think you get a little closer to it. Like, you reach the next level of ore, say, and then it's like you feel accomplished because... Yeah, um, up a tier level of armor I can make, but now I have to spend an hour to two hours just mining it. So it's 
yeah, it's one of those rough things. This kind of reminds me of World of Warcraft back in the day where you're trying to get better and better stuff and it just takes so fucking long and so much effort in some cases or luck to do it. So that's kind of why I went a little bit a little bit too hard with it. But um yeah, that's been fine. The other thing I've been playing and the last thing is Binding of Isaac Rebirth, big shocker. Uh but the caveat is it actually came out this week on the Nintendo 3DS. So I picked up that version. I actually think I have it open right now. We'll take a look here. Yeah, so I have it open right now for people watching the video. There you go. And yeah, so I've been playing around a little bit with that. And I have to say, I wouldn't spend money on it if you don't want a mobile version in your pocket sort of thing and you have an ability to play it on a PC. For one thing... I, I, you know what, I should have done this before, but I'm going to confirm what price the Binding of Isaac Rebirth actually is right now. Yeah, so it is about $5 more in the Nintendo eShop, and the port doesn't feel very good at all. Like, at all. Um, for one thing, I don't like Binding of Isaac on a controller, that's a personal preference, so if you don't mind it, you'll like that problem isn't a pro won't be a problem for you, obviously. The thing I have a problem with is that it feels like it really tries too hard to play on the three DS. Like there's been a lot of times where between cutscenes or like frame switching and stuff like that, there's a hiccup. Like it has to take an extra second to think about what, like, the next floor will be. And I'm pretty sure that's probably just the limitations of it being on a mobile platform as opposed to, like, a PC, a gaming PC or even a mid-range laptop because that game is not really intensive at all. Even a small, like, PC can run that game pretty decently. So I don't like that you're paying $5 more for an inferior product if you can help it. That being said, if you don't have a PC and you've been wanting to know about the hype or whatever, you've probably purchased it already. The people that I'm not recommending this to are people that already have it and are wondering about it. Like, if you are wondering, should I get The Binding of Isaac because I like that game on the 3DS, you totally shouldn't. If you, like, wanted The Binding of Isaac mobile, you have it already. And for the five extra dollars, sure, it's the convenience of being able to take it around with you anywhere, ignoring the fact completely that any progress you've made on the other versions, you won't cross over. So, like, you're going to have to start from scratch again, which has been kind of fun and reminded me why what they did in that game is kind of weird. Like, it, it makes you think you're good for a long time because when you don't have shit unlocked yet, you seem to get brimstone and, like, guppy almost every single run. And it's funny because when you actually get shit unlocked in that game, you barely ever see Brimstone anymore. So there's this kind of weird trick they're doing where it's like, oh, we got a new player, let's hook them by making them feel super powerful at the beginning of the game. And then as they get more stuff, they get a bunch of garbage. Um, but, yeah, I highly don't recommend buying this if you have a way to play it on your PC. Please just play it on your PC, even on your PS4 if you want to do that or whatever. I don't think it's a great port, and I don't think it's 
a great practice to charge $5 more. Also, um, the way I've been playing it, so like I said, I don't like controls, the uh, controller controls. I've been playing it with these buttons right here, the face buttons, because that is the only way I feel like I have any control at all. Using the little nub, the circle pad thing, on the right side of the new 3DS is absolutely fucking terrible for some of the items in this game because it doesn't pick up, like, it doesn't pick up properly when you're letting go sometimes or which direction you're facing, so it feels kind of janky depending on what items you have or even how comfortable you are with the thing. And I feel I'm pretty comfortable with it because I've been playing some, like, 3D... I've been playing Monster Hunter and stuff on my 3DS. So... I don't know, man. It's one of those things that, like, if you were interested in getting this, you have it already. And if you don't really know what you should do, don't buy it. Don't pay money for this thing. Pay Buy it on a sale if you really don't know if you want it or not on your PC. Or shell out the $5 less, $15 version or whatever on Steam and just get it for your PC. I can't recommend it at all. And it's kind of... um. Yeah, it's kind of too bad because I was really looking forward to it. And I'm not unhappy with the purchase necessarily. At the end of the day, it is Binding of Isaac. It is on a system that can go into your pocket. It just seems to run a little bit more hiccupy in parts that don't really matter. They don't happen in the gameplay. So as I'm playing, I still feel like I do have control and stuff. And like I said again, I got to keep reiterating this. If you are totally okay with uh, controller controls or like have played it on your Vita or PS4 already or on the PC with a controller and you're totally fine with controller controls, by all means, you won't have this issue. I fucking hate controller controls. And the only way I can play this game turns it from like kind of a more analog feeling experience with my PC to four-way movement, four-way shooting, which is kind of poor to me. But um, yeah, I saddens me that I can't wholeheartedly agree with this and especially because you need a new system like if it was for your old DS or whatever first of all it wouldn't run because it has problems on this DS but like maybe then I don't know why they're charging more for it I mean the one thing they did add that was kind of cool even though I haven't really thought of how I would use it personally yet is with the touch screen you can draw on the map so, like, on the map, you can, like, draw an arrow to a room that you visited or something and just, like, write maybe Brimstone. And so, like, you know that in the Devil Deal, you have Brimstone and, let's say, Demon Baby or something. You could write down, like, a list of the stuff you want to get on this floor before you go or, like, what you want to do. I think that's really, really cool, but kind of like a fluffy gimmick because I don't know when... It's not something Binding of Isaac players really need at all because the map tells you everything you need to know. Like, you only need to know if there's an item in there and you'll remember that it's something if you want to pick it up or not. I don't know. Um, yeah, but anyways, Binding of Isaac Rebirth is now out on 3DS. If you have a new 3DS, you can pick that up if you want for $5 more and carry it around with you. I'm not sad about the purchase. I'll be playing it during work hours where it's dead and, like on car trips and stuff so that's totally fine but if you have a vita 
you probably have a mobile version already if you care enough about Binding of Isaac, so I still don't recommend. <laughs> I don't... I... I'm sad. I'm sad. Um, yeah. Anyways, that's all I played this week. So let's head on to the news. And... Okay, Sean has some stuff written down here. Most important news, I think. Life is Strange Episode 4 is out July 28th. So I'm hoping... I'm hoping that by the next time you hear me talk... I'm able to talk about how much I loved episode four. I might not be able to play till next weekend. It depends how busy this week is. But uh, yeah, that's going to be, that's what I've been waiting for. So I'm super, super, super excited about that. Uh, Hearthstone, a new expansion was announced. Uh, so I don't know how many play Hearthstone, but the new expansion is going to be called the Grand Tournament based on the Argent tournament in the Warcraft lore, the World of Warcraft stuff and all that. And they're going to introduce a new mechanic, which is kind of interesting. They're going to have a mechanic called Inspire in this. And, like, on top of the, what is it, like 130 new cards or whatever they're adding, there's this new mechanic where Inspire, what Inspire is, is it'll trigger whenever you use your hero ability so for people that don't know how Hearthstone works, maybe I'll just quickly explain. You have different character classes that you can play decks with, and they have different uh, like class cards and stuff like that. But more importantly, they all have a different hero ability. Like the mage is deal one damage to a min uh, minion of your choice or an enemy of your choice, or deal one damage, actually. You can actually ping your own stuff. Uh, the warlock is draw a card and lose to life sort that sort of stuff to give you little advantages in your play style and whatnot so inspire is going to be cards that will either trigger when you use something like those or it will change how your uh, class spell is completely and that's super cool and interesting to me the problem is I looked into some of the cards that they're releasing and some of them just seem kind of dull, but some of them seem really badass. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about the different stuff here. If you want to look up more on that, I would suggest, I think, uh, Trump. If you look up the name Trump Hearthstone or Trump SC specifically on YouTube, he did a video where he goes through some of the cards that are, have been announced and whatnot and what he thinks about those. So I definitely recommend him and watching that. Should be cool either way. I'm kind of excited to see more Hearthstone myself. But, eh. Eh. Yeah, whatever. Okay. I don't... I'm actually kind of excited to hear what Sean has to say about this one. Because as far as I know... He doesn't pay attention to the esports thing at all, whereas I like watching esports quite a bit. So, the Pro Gaming League, uh, the ESL, the ESL is going to start drug testing its players. Yeah, like baseball, like basketball, like football. Any, they're gonna, they're drug testing to see. You know what? When I heard this news, I thought it was ridiculous. But then I thought for a second, I, th I heard about it at work. 
No, there totally probably is, like, an ADHD pill or something they could take where, like, it makes them concentrate better or something. And that's actually totally what this article here is saying is what they're using to get an advantage. They're basically using Adderall. So it increases their energy and attention. And that's hilarious to me in a huge way. But I think it's important that there are more ground rules set because... Esports are becoming a thing where even though they're kind of silly in nature, they're getting traction. Like, there are a lot of people that watch that shit. There's, it's the most watched thing on fucking Twitch. Anytime League of Legends does anything, like, it's the most watched stuff. People like watching this stuff. It's our version of sports. So I kind of like that they're starting to treat it more seriously and not allowing certain people to maybe get an edge in like you would in a sport, but, um, I don't know, man. It's, it's a weird, weird thing. He also lists, uh, put this, um, other thing in here about esport drug test loopholes. I'm not going to go too far into this. I'm actually just going to put a link to it in the chat if you want to read about it yourself, but yeah, I mean, it's a new thing they're implementing, and they're going to have some kinks to work out. So we'll see how that goes. I just kind of think it's funny. It's kind of a funny, silly thing. So, yeah. Uh, that's kind of it for news. I Like, another news thing that's happening that directly impacts, like, specifically John. But this podcast and me to a way lesser extent... Twitch is going to be moving to HTML5 for video, and that's going to be great. So I'm super stoked about that. Also, I want to hear more about this YouTube gaming thing. That's going to be great. Like, there's a lot of fun stuff going to come up here, I think, for streamers and people that watch streams and stuff. So I'm super excited to hear more about that, but I don't have anything official in the docket about that. I just needed to say something about it. <coughs> Excuse me, sorry for that. But that's it. Not a whole hell of a lot of news. Let's just move on to questions. Uh, if you want to send something in, I mean, come on, guys. You know how to do it by now. It's topdownperspective at gmail.com. Or if you have the Twitters, you can do TDP Podcast. Just put an at sign in front of that and send your question to that. Or you can go to facebook.com slash the top or topdownperspective. No, the in there, my bad. And we will be able to see your real name. Probably. Unless you have one of those, like, fan page accounts or something. Which you could totally do. I don't know. Either way, you have options to send them in. And you could be like Dylan, who wrote in and said, Is there any games you would recommend to people, even though you have barely played it? <laughs> hmm. Well, I mean, at... As of this moment, absolutely, it would be Earthbound. Like, I've played about four hours of that game, and I know that's, like, nothing compared to how long that game actually is. But the little I've played, if there's another one of me out there listening, take the plunge, man. Like, I know. I, I, had, I didn't do it either. And when I did, it took me about half an hour to an hour to really get settled into it. But that game does some really, really fantastic stuff, and you should totally play it. So that's probably my game I would recommend to people, even though I've barely played it. I want to play more of it. 
So, yeah, that's that'll be it. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I mean, there's a lot of games I barely play, but the reason I barely play them usually is simply because they're not very good and I wouldn't recommend them. Because if I really like something, like, I dig in pretty hard. So, yeah. Yeah. Earthbound is my answer to that. Okay. Joey writes in, Hola, amigos. Hope to see the game all back together, and if not, to see you reunited with it feeling so good soon. We will be reunited, I think, next week, and it'll feel real good, especially for your ear holes. Anywho, handful of questions. One, are there any video game adaptations that you feel should have worked better than how the end product actually turned out to be? Sheds a single tear for the Legend of Korra games. That Legend of Korra game by Platinum's B-Team is totally fine. It's not great, but there, I really don't see a problem with it. It works mechanically pretty much the way I was expecting. The art looks great. Uh, like, I mean, it's just a little lackluster in some of the story stuff or whatever, but there's a whole fucking anime for that, so... Other than that, adaptations that should have worked better. Hmm. A lot of NES adaptations, or like, yeah, not NES adaptations, but like remasters and stuff. I really didn't like the DuckTales remaster for the NES, or for By Way Forward from the NES. I don't know what it was about that. There was something about it I really didn't like. I think a lot of times when they try to remaster stuff, they break it. So, like, Silent Hill would be one of those things where, yeah, I don't know. But adaptations specifically, I kind of always count adaptations out. Like, I don't have high expectations for them. So, I'm not really disappointed when they're, when they're like, really, really bad. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. It's a good question. I'm excited to hear what Sean's answer are for that. So, uh, two. His second question: One game I've always seen a ton of hype about ever since I got into gaming was the Ducktales NES game. Oh, that's kind of a weird coincidence. I, also, there's no way I was like influenced. By the way, because I wish I could show you. I'm not going to do screen capture or anything. But there's like two pages, like there's a page break in between the two questions. So it's kind of interesting he brings up DuckTales. Uh, okay, uh, tons of hype ever since I got into gaming about the DuckTales NES game, but for the life of me, I've never been able to understand the appeal. Perhaps I just remember too much playing the Game Boy version as a kid, which has really awful renditions of the original's music, for the record, especially Transylvania. And never found it interesting or worth remembering. To that end, are there any games that have an immense cult following, but you haven't found yourself able to get into? Yeah. Final Fantasy games, I think, have way too much of a following for what they are. Especially, like, as that series went on, it just got worse and worse to me. Seven is an okay game. Final Fantasy Seven is an okay game. That game is not the godsend of video games, though, and it's aged even worse. Even back then, it wasn't, like, the best game ever made or anything. It was an impressive feat with some of the stuff they did, but I never understood how that got such a huge following, so I wasn't part of that train at all. Um, 
I really, really didn't understand how Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 specifically got this huge, huge boom and, like, became just the biggest fucking FPS ever. But, like, I know it was because of the map design and stuff like that. Like, there's a lot of stuff for the multiplayer that people said, like, that's when they got everything right and it was perfect and blah, blah, blah. I, I never, I couldn't, I couldn't do it myself. Uh, look over this way to see if there's any games that will spark my memory for anything else. Oh, for me, Metroid Prime. I don't understand how people like those games, even let alone, like, how those have a following. Because they don't feel good to me as a first-person shooter, and they feel really shitty as a Metroid game to me. I don't like those games at all. I really, really, really hate them. Uh, three. Oh, question three is for John, so this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to just highlight that question, and when he comes on next week, he can answer that for you. Yeah, this is like, that is just a complete John question, so we're skipping over that. Four, if you were to design a party game, what would it be like? What kind of mini games, if any, might you include? Hmm. If I was to design a party game, honestly, it would probably be something like Smash because I don't particularly love the Super Smash Brothers games, but they are the game like I want to play with three other people. Those games are just fun to like pick a bunch of fun, dumb characters that you grew up with or have nostalgia for. And make them fight each other in an arena. Like, yeah. It would probably be a weird fighting game where you could pick some weird obscure things to fight with. If that was me. Like, minigame-wise, I don't like... I don't like Mario Party. Like, I think people know this about me. I don't like 100% orange juice at all except for, like, how it looks and sounds and stuff. Like, the aesthetics of 100% orange juice are top-notch and great. But I really don't like how those games play. So I don't think I would be... I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't design any... Mini, I'm sorry. I wouldn't design any mini games. Yeah. Uh, on a side note, I don't know if it's been brought to your attention. You guys have a TV Tropes page now. Feel free to scrutinize it. And fans, feel free to descend upon it and be fruitful. Yeah, so I actually got linked to this last weekend... And I've been kind of busy and kind of forgot to post it on the thing. I'll post it later on on the Twitter. But there is a TV Tropes page for Top Down Perspective now. And thank you to anybody who has or will be putting stuff on it. Really, really cool to see this sort of stuff happen with Top Down Perspective because it's a thing I'm part of and I love to see what the community does. So... Yeah, no, it's really, really cool. I really like the drinking game. I highly, highly recommend you don't do that drinking game. You will die. You will fucking be in a hospital bed with, like, tubes in your stomach, and you will still pass out from so much alcohol. There is no way you can survive that. Just take a look at it for laughs and giggles. Um, yeah, but there's some great stuff on here. Catchphrase stuff. Like, whenever Paul doesn't like some sort of practice, he has a tendency to describe it as gross. I mean, yes, that's totally right. 
And also, it's so dumb as a phrase that tends to crop up often whenever one of the hosts is describing something either awesome yet stupid or legitimately bad. Again, like, yeah, for sure. So if you have anything you want to add to that, please, please go ahead and do so. I saw that um, you guys, who the people creating it or whatever, need a logo. I can probably get you the official logo copy so you can put that in if you want but other than that feel free to check that out and go crazy with it okay theodore writes in hey guys this is something i've been thinking about for the past couple weeks how necessary do you think it is for games to be difficult or have harder difficulty modes i've seen a lot of people complain about games being too easy and it's made me think about if base level difficulty being really high is necessary I could go on a whole rant, but this is not the time nor place. What I'm really trying to ask here is how important do you think it is for a game to have difficulty? Should it have some challenge, even if it's at its most basic level, or have a wide spectrum of difficulties from easy all the way to crying in a corner hard for some games? Uh, more One more question. Okay, let's answer that one first. I think in a perfect world, how games should deal with difficulty is never ramp up the difficulty in a way that is an arbitrary mess of you just putting in things that like <sighs> things that'll take say more bullets don't put in bullet sponges if you can help it uh don't put in enemies that negate an attack you can do or something the best way to do difficulty in my opinion is to put in mechanics that build on top of base mechanics that you learn right from the beginning of the game. And there's a steady progression where as you are learning these base mechanics more and better, you are able to take on the challenges easier. So I think it's super important to have a, the f fear of a failure state at all times. So I think difficulty in some sort of way is one of the most important things in video gaming at all not to say every video game needs a challenge i mean there's a lot of visual novels and stuff like that which aren't challenging but i mean i don't consider them video games but that's a discussion for a whole different time i think for a game to be engaging in any way it needs to have challenge to it of some sort because you need to be able to fail in some sort of way to really make you appreciate your successes I just don't like it when people, the only way they do that is by making a chasm too large or something. So you have to do some convoluted way of breaking the game to get across it. I don't like bullet sponges where there's not enough ammo and way too many things attacking you. I don't like unfair difficulty, if that makes any sense. But I think it is the most important thing in video gaming by far. Uh, one more question. Has there ever been a game where most of the time, the beginning slash middle-ish, you're just going through thinking, yeah, this is okay. But then one thing happens, either in the plot or mechanics or what have you, and it causes your interest in the game to skyrocket or fall flat. Yeah, so... <clears throat> yeah. The best case scenario for this, for the falling flat, The Evil Within... The reason why that game annoyed me so much was because when it starts off, it makes you think it's probably just going to be like an okay Resident Evil 4 clone. And it, for the most part, it is, except 
there's a part pretty early in that game where you're running across a bridge from people, like from things. And it's kind of like a weird chase sequence. And your fucking character has asthma or something. Like, he cannot run very far for very long. So you kind of have to, like, monitor how much your stamina gauge is going down and, like, walk a little bit. It's really fucking infuriating. And there's been a lot of stuff in that game that was just, like, this was okay for the first little while, but then the design of everything else makes it terrible. So that's probably my front runner for falling flat. For things that are elevated, though, like, let's be happier, maybe. Uh, things that skyrocketed. Shadow of the Colossus, for me, um, when I when you first start that game, you think, oh, this is probably just going to be a lot of climbing simulator stuff, and there is a lot of that, but I think the way that every Titan or not Titan, every Colossus in that game provides a different way to use your basic mechanics and like a different way it interacts with the environment or like against you and stuff like that. I thought brought that to a whole new level than just boss mode. So definitely that is one of my favorite things. I really like when a game has, like, a normal story and then just goes batshit insane out of nowhere. So, Deadly Premonition is a game that gets... Like, when you first start playing it, you're like, okay, this is kind of a less-than-competent shooter mechanically with some weird horror elements. And then after, like, half an hour to an hour, you're just so invested in what weird shit's going to happen in this world that you have to keep seeing more of it. So that whole what-the-fuck factor really raises the bar on that game. Hmm. You know what? That's probably enough examples for right now. Oh, Metal Gear Solid, for me, was one of the big ones, actually. I didn't necessarily like that game at all the first time I played a demo of it. Like, the actual Metal Gear Solid on the PlayStation, when they made the move from Solid Snake on... or. Metal Gear 2 Solid Snake on the NES and they're like we're back and we're 3D now here's a demo disc I really really didn't like that demo and that game gets so crazy later on with the story and plot and stuff like that as a Hideo Kojima game gets that it really makes those games great all of those games kind of do that hmm yeah yeah okay and I'm just going to quickly check Twitter here just to make sure I am not counting anybody out. It doesn't look like I am. So that is actually it for questions. Uh, that's been another episode of Top Down Perspective from my half anyways. So we will be listening to Sean in a second. Uh, thank you guys for letting us do this stuff. We highly, highly appreciate it. Even... I mean, the fact that people still listen and show up even when it's only two of us and we're not even together and just listening to, like, one half and then another half and stuff like that, it's really cool. And, yeah, thanks for letting me talk your ear off for about an hour now. Let's move on, though, and we will... Oh, right, before I forget again, Game of the Week. Game of the Week this week is Terraria because I spent like 15 hours in that game in a row without sleeping all night. So that that kind of has to be it, right? 
I think that has to be it. Either way, that is going to be it for me. So have a good night, everybody. And let's take a listen to what Sean has to say now. Hey there, this is uh, Sean Booker. Uh, once again, you're listening to another uh, double solo cast, split cast. I don't know. Um, I'm sure as Paul has already mentioned, uh, he had some uh, conflict at work again that made him stay late. And I'm not staying up that late because I have work in the morning. Uh, and then I do stuff on the weekends. So it was just schedules didn't mix. Uh, we weren't able to record again together. Hopefully this... Uh, this will be resolved. It's a lot easier when John is also here because then just two of us can maybe record. But John is uh, still doing the con circuit. I believe right now he is over on the East Coast of Canada. Hamilton, I believe, doing... I have no idea which convention he's at, but whichever one is in uh, Ontario right now, Hamilton, Ontario. I think he gets back early next week, uh, so he should be on the next episode. Uh, we tried to do it, uh, but he just got too busy before his flight. Uh, anyway, uh, so like last week, uh, Paul and I are probably going to be talking about uh, almost the exact same stuff, but hopefully um, our, our unique opinions will keep it interesting and you don't just uh, get bored when I from me starting to talk right now. Again, I'm recording before him, so I don't know... Uh, anything of what he has said or anything like that and then he'll he'll play me uh behind, after he he finishes and we'll go together like that so yeah uh july 23rd uh this is the top down perspective um paul mentioned it maybe i would have seen ant-man yeah i went and saw ant-man last weekend of course i went and saw ant-man um so let's let's get into some ant-man uh no spoilers so don't get, don't worry about that but um actually you know first off can i just can i just point out I sound great right now. I hope I hope you guys are getting all that too. I hope it sounds different, but yeah, I got a new microphone. So before we get into Ant-Man, last week was Amazon Prime Day, which was just super like, who cares? There wasn't anything great there. I tried to get those weird super cheap TVs, but they were gone in literally seconds. Uh, but I did keep a browser open for the Blue Yeti microphone, which is what I'm using now. I think it's also what Paul uses. Um, but yeah, those are, those are usually, um, uh, Amazon says they're like 150, but they're always like 120 and they were on sale for 90. So I picked up one of those. I got a silver one. Looks pretty good. My only problem is I can't use my cool mic stand that I bought uh, a couple months back. I mean, it has its own stand, which is fine, but I just really liked having the versatility and the flexibility of kind of moving it wherever I wanted to. I might have to look into getting a different stand. It's just the Yeti doesn't fit. Uh, the kind of uh, screw that my current adjustable stand works. And it's also heavy. It is a lot heavier than my old um, Blue Snowball. But yeah, no, highly recommend the Blue Microphone products. We'll see how this does over the next few weeks, but hopefully I sound better. If you guys want to like write in and let me know if I am sounding better, that would be great because, you know, it, it's it, uh, more, I want to know, you guys are the ones listening to this. Um, but I guess I'm kind of listening to this because this thing even has like a talkback feature. Like I can hear what I'm saying as opposed to just hoping it sounds all right, uh, which is definitely cool. It's it's a uh, it feels really like like professional. Anyway, we were talking about Ant Man. Ant Man was a lot of fun. Definitely a, a different feel. You know, everyone's saying it's a heist movie, not a superhero movie, and I would say that. I don't think Paul Rudd 
necessarily needed to be Ant-Man himself. I could have probably swapped him out for anything. I don't think he brought anything that great to it. Same with um, Evangeline Lilly. I mean, I am a huge Lost fan, but I don't much care for that actress. And I don't quite feel she specifically brought anything. So I feel like those characters could have switched. I did like Hank Pym quite a bit. Um, Excuse me for... Uh, forgetting that actor's name at the moment, um, but I thought he was he was pretty good. The comic relief guy, it was a bit much for me. I would say that, but I, you know those are my only those are my only grievances. And there are some cool cameos from other characters in the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe that show up. Those were real great. Um, I will say my favorite scene because you know you got to have a favorite scene was all I'll say is when they're inside the briefcase and the music starts playing. Uh, that was that was pretty good. Both uh, my girlfriend and I, who went and saw it, uh, said that was that was definitely a standout scene. But overall, yeah, just a fun movie. A uh, lot of really good ways to use the shrinking in both comedic and interesting uh, effect. You know, both uh, cinematically and and uh, comedically. Um, overall, yeah, of, of course, I recommend it. I I have to think about it a bit more if it's where it ranks on my list of them. I don't think it's that high up there, but I did appreciate kind of how different it felt. As like I said before, it's a heist movie, not a superhero movie, so it's definitely a lot different, uh, which is which is cool. What's the next movie I'm looking forward to? Well, I want to see Trainwreck, which came out that same weekend. I just haven't had time, but that hasn't come out yet that I'm excited for. I can't think of much of this summer. Like I like the Good Dinosaur trailer just came out this last week, but that's in November, but I'm really excited for that. That looks that looks really cool. I I think the summer movies are kind of dumb. I I guess, you know, we are a week away from August and that's usually when the movies stop. August is kind of like the dead ground. Although we did get um we do get some good Edgar Wright stuff every every few years in there, but regardless. Uh I can't think of any other summer movies that I'm that excited for. Hunger Games begin in November again. I'm looking forward to that. So maybe maybe it's got to wait a few months. Uh, but anyway, apart from that, um, let's talk about games because I only got about what is this saying? Got about 30 minutes until my laundry finishes drying, and I want to go get that. So um, let's try and get through all this stuff so it's not sitting there for too long. What have I been playing? Let me tell you, Rocket League. I got into it quite a bit. Actually, I just remembered another game I've been playing. Definitely want to talk about. I'm gonna write that down. Okay, Rocket League. Uh, playing the PC version, not like I said last week. PC version because a uh, PlayStation Network just wasn't connecting for me, and I'll get into more on that later. PC version though, uh, still great. I I just don't enjoy playing on it that much because I have to make it look so shitty for my computer to run it. But I'm having so much fun. It's a great game to like. I got 10 minutes, 15 minutes. I'll play a round or two of that. Those matches are like five minutes long, seven minutes if you take in all the little pauses and whatnot. And it's just a whole lot of fun. But I am terrible at that game. My main issue is kind of the aerial stuff, which I'm sure that's a lot of people's issue. But like when the ball is like right over my head, I just kind of freeze up. I'm not 100% sure what I want to do. And I'm always on ball cam, so it can be a little hard to know. Uh, which way I'm facing. So if I want to do some kind of jump up there, what what direction do I even need to do to do a proper flip to touch the ball? But regardless, I started getting pretty good at 
as soon as the play begins, boosting towards the ball and being able to score in one shot. I've gotten I've gotten pretty good on like knowing where I need to like ease up and whatnot. So it doesn't because if you just boost straight at the ball, right? Use all your boost, you get your top speed. You're gonna clear over the the net and it's gonna just bounce back. So there's like a there's like a there's a middle ground, a sweet spot that you got to be hitting so that it'll go in and just run it'll arc properly. And I got pretty good at that last the last time I was playing. I haven't been playing any online games. It's all just been um, what is it? Exhibition season, whatever the there's like a single player thing where they actually I think it's like a season type thing. That's what I've been playing. So I haven't been playing a ton. Uh, but I've been wanting to play on the PS4, and the reason I haven't is that my every time I went to the store or tried to do anything network-wise, it would say, hey, there's an update, you need to download this update. So it's like, okay, sure, please download the update. I'm surprised, in fact, PS4, that you didn't, since you're set to auto-download these things, you know, when I'm out of the house or whatever. So it starts to do, and it sits there, please wait, and then it just sits there forever. And I was like, maybe the network is down? And I was looking online, and I'm seeing on the main Sony site, no, everything's up, everything's fine. But then I'll see other, on different sites that are, you know, third-party kind of stuff where people are like, yeah, it's down, what's going on? And I even saw this one, like, map live outage thing. And California did have some, so I was like, well, you know, that's that's where I am, on the coast. Maybe I'm just in the crappy spot. This has gone on for over a week now, as, as you guys know. And today, just finally, I was like, okay, let's try a live support chat, see what they say. And I just... As soon as it loads up, I'm asking, is it down in California? What's the deal? He's like, no, it's everything's fine. And I'm like, I haven't been able to do this stuff for over a week. The dude recommends um, installing the software, the firmware update uh, over USB. So I did that. It was actually a lot easier than I expected. And that worked perfectly. I'm back up now. So right now, actually, as, we, as I talk, Rocket League is downloading on my PlayStation 4. So I'm definitely looking forward to playing that. It's going to look a lot nicer. Um... And that, that'll be exciting. Along with that, Journey just came out. And because I bought that on the PlayStation 3, I have that downloading. Which I was also getting frustrated that I couldn't get that on my system. Because I wanted to show my girlfriend that as she's never seen Journey. And that's a great game. Like, that's a game that I, when that came out, I went to my mom. And I was like, you know, my mom's not into games at all. But hey, you need to look at this and just see where games are. You know, she's a big fan of animated movies as well. And computer graphics and stuff. So she, like, she likes to see... How, how great these things can get year after year so that was definitely like i need to show you how cool this is and i think i showed her one of like the sand surfing sections you know so that was great so i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm either gonna play through that again with my girlfriend watching or i might just give the controller to her um it depends how much time we have because if it's me just playing i could probably get through that in like two hours if it's her it'll take a bit longer for her to get used to it she's not a huge gamer so we'll have to see how much time we have and what she feels like doing. But I'm looking forward to seeing that in all of its glory once again. And it's in, like, you know, I don't play games multiple times very often. That's a game that I have played twice. I think I played it twice within a week or two when it first came out. But when they're that short, it's a lot easier to make that justification of, yeah, I could just power through this again. This is It's a movie. So that's we might be doing that this weekend. Uh, the game that I recently remembered and I was typing a minute ago is Where Is My Heart on Steam. Uh, this is a game I've been wanting to play for a while, just kind of waiting for a sale as it never seemed to go discounted on Steam. This game originally came out as a PlayStation Portable Micro game. So it was on the PSP, I believe. 
and then it finally got ported to Steam. I want to say a year or two ago, and I don't I don't think I ever saw it go on sale. Uh, luckily, a few weeks back, it was on a humble bundle. Grabbed that right away. And um, if you're not familiar with it, it's a puzzle platformer, and the trick here is that if you think of something like I don't know, think of like Fez if you couldn't rotate the world. So it's just flat like that and you just kind of need to make your way up. But the gimmick, or, you know, the trick, I should say, I don't want to call it a gimmick, that seems like it's kind of undermining it, is that the entire, you know, view of the screen is split up, I don't want to say grid-like, but, you know, for lack of a better word, like a grid, and then all of those units are then mixed around. So if you're at the starting point and you move to the right and you get to the edge of that current unit, you're not going to show up on the left side of the grid block right beside it. You're going to show up on the left side of a random block somewhere on somewhere on the screen because they're all mixed up. And you need to kind of figure out, okay, like which ones are touching? What does this world actually look like? And that alone was already quite cool to me. Um, but yeah, you start to get some powers where you can manipulate how those how the world is presented a bit. So it makes it a little easier to figure stuff out. Uh, and it's a lot of fun. The music's great. The art style is really, really cute and nice. I, th- It's probably me just getting a little... How do I want to say it? Like, um, impatient. But a lot of the time I find myself just kind of jumping into the side and hoping I don't die just to see where I land. Or like, is there something below this? Or how's, how does this work exactly? Um... So it ends up with me kind of doing a lot of trial and error, which you could probably figure out if you sat there staring at it longer. But may, again, maybe I'm just a bit too impatient. Regardless, I'm enjoying it quite a bit. I first had heard about this. You people, you guys might remember, if you ever played Dust and Elysian Tale, it had a whole bunch of random sections uh, devoted to different indies. And one of them was Where Is My Heart? And when I saw that, I was like, wow, this is really cool. I want to play the original game that this is based on. So that's where that finally came on my radar. Um, apart from that, just today, and I've been hearing about this uh, for the past few days, Game Freak, developers of the Pokemon series, came out with a brand new game called Tembo the Badass Elephant. And luckily for me, Paul bought it the day or the day after it came out. I was already looking into picking it up probably on the Xbox. But yeah, he got it on Steam. So I installed it and loaded it up. Uh, and that game's that game is hard. I'll say that out so far. I've played very little of it, only the first two stages. I love the whole kind of aspect of it, of like the world is under attack by I think it's like aliens or some kind of you know there's some kind of enemy attacking you, and then like the leader of you know whatever the allies military remembers back in his war days when he was fighting with Tembo the badass elephant and phones him in, and it it cuts to an elephant in the jungle and there's a ringing sound and he opens up the tree to where his phone is and he's like and then the elephant gets angry after he hears what's going on and he so you control the elephant and he and he it it basically controls a lot like donkey kong whereas you you know you have your slow running but then if you hold a button down you'll start charging um and then it's a lot of you can jump you can jump and if you hold the button you'll kind of do like a flutter kick so it's a bit higher almost kind of like a double jump and your goal is basically getting to the end of the stage. So you'll be running. You'll try to avoid like 
uh, barrels. I, I, I shouldn't say barrels. They're boxes that have bomb icons on them because those will hurt you. Some enemies will have uh, bullets that you need to dodge. Uh, but it's a side-scrolling platformer. It it seems like it has a focus on speed. Like you want to just charge the whole time, but you will die so easily because you'll just run into explosives and bullets and weird robots out of nowhere. And I found myself on the second stage dying quite often until I really had to like slow down. So there's a bit of a dichotomy there that I'm not gelling with so far. But again, I've only played two stages of it. I like the overall aesthetic and just the premise of it. When you charge, uh, I should say there's a lot of onomatopoeia in the game. When you charge... I think it's like Taka Taka shows up behind you the entire time and lots of like, you know, uh, expressive wordplay being thrown around for the noises that uh, Tembo is making and causing to the environment. But you're basically just crushing stuff, knocking people away and just causing a lot of explosions to happen. So it's pretty goofy and and lighthearted and it's, it's just really cool. It's really cool to see Game Freak doing something else and I'm glad I'm enjoying it so much. I could easily see it being on a... uh, I, I could probably see it be on mobile and it would probably handle something similar to that, like um, that mirror's edge runner game where you would, uh, you could just like maybe swipe forward to charge, swipe up to do a jump, swipe down to do the slide charge. Regardless, I would, I would enjoy it on a, uh, on a handheld for sure on the Vita would be real cool. Uh, maybe that'll happen one day, but right now uh, the playing on the PC is just fine and it runs fine on my computer if I have it at like 720. So that's, that's definitely good. I also really briefly started get the new Game of Thrones episode. I'm not going to talk much about that because I still want to finish it first. So I'll talk more about that next week. Um, so expect that to be coming. Not a ton of news. Uh, few, first, a few quick things. There's a new Hearthstone expansion, although it seems to be uh, just cards. So I don't really care. But maybe Paul's into this. I'm sure he'll. I'm sure he already talked a lot more in depth about this and knows way more about this than I do. And he probably you've already heard him talk about it. But anyways, new Hearthstone expansion. What's more exciting, New Life is Strange episode comes out later this week, July 28th, episode 4, second last one, the penultimate episode, so it's probably going to be a lot of build-up. That's definitely exciting, because the end of season, episode 3 was real cool. And that brings us one step closer to Paul and I doing a spoiler cast on this, epi- on this uh, series. Here's probably what I found was the most interesting. Um... Uh, what is the full title of this? The the ESL, the Electronic Sports League. It's an esports uh company. Put on a lot of gaming tournaments. They're gonna start drug testing their players. Uh, this came up in the wake of the public admissions uh from a whole bunch of pro Counter Strike players that were taking AD- the ADHD drug Adderall, which for those who don't know, uh, it's when taken, uh, it increases your energy rate and your attention. So, yeah, people who have ADHD, they have a hard time concentrating on one specific thing. Adderall helps you kind of focus down, and some Counter-Strike players were using this to kind of get an edge up on the competition. Um, there's, a, there's a bunch of really interesting facts about this. I'm just going to kind of run through this article and pick out the highlights, I thought. First off, I'll read these two long quotes about what they're specifically doing. Uh, so they say that... Um, in order to maintain the fair play spirit of our sport, ESL, again, uh, the electronic, uh, sorry, hey, electronic sports league, <clears throat> sorry, brain fart, ESL is partnered with ND, NADA, the National Anti-Doping Agent Tour, located in Bonn, Germany. Uh, 
to help research and determine an anti-PEDs policy, which is performance-enhancing drug, uh, that is fair, feasible, and respects the privacy of the players, while simultaneously providing conclusive testing results. Additionally, ESL will meet with WADA, World Anti-Doping Agency, with headquarters located in Montreal, Canada, to actively involve them in the making, enforcing, and further internationalizationing, sorry, further internationalizing of this policy to the regions like the U.S., Asia, and Australia. And then the second one here, ESL will use the expertise of the the NADA and WADA to create PEDs, to create a PEDs prevention program, which will distribute to all players participating in esports competitions organized, hosted, or produced by ESL. The goal of this program is to ensure players are provided with information and structural support to help them manage the physical and emotional pressure that the highest level of competitive gaming puts on, on many of them. So the WADA, I don't know if it's WADA or whatever, if it's an acronym or an initialization, um, they're pretty serious. They, they're the people that do also they, they do the olympics so this is this is pretty serious um which which is good i mean i guess this this should probably happen you know if you're gonna start cheating they're gonna have to start regulating this pro sports players do this if you want esports to be professional you're they're gonna have to do this so there's a few different ways and this is when it starts getting weird you can do skin tests involving sweat samples uh, that are capable of detecting everything from marijuana to meth however some studies have found them to be unreliable to get more in depth you can do uh, urine and most reliably is blood tests however the issue with that is those get quite expensive um, the article I'm checking out links to um, another talk about uh, doing drug tests for UFC fighters, and the number they're throwing around is three thousand two hundred and fifty dollars per fighter to f- like fully drug test them. I can't see esports dropping that kind of money on their players. Uh, I know when it comes to like the international and stuff, we are talking about a lot of money. Keep in mind this: the ESL is not connected to the international and other gaming uh, tournaments. Although I'm assuming the more mainstream ones will also start to do this once the ESL puts this in play. But again, that's a lot of money per player. Are they really going to do that kind of stuff? You know, the question is how much are esports leagues willing to shell out to make sure this is totally competitive? Hopefully they would do what it takes, but then that brings the prize pool down significantly, right? It's a, it's a weird situation. Um, but you know, that that's all you can really do. Uh, on top of that, uh, the ESL has stated that they're not going to be doing any sort of testing during online qualifiers for larger events. So, uh, you can show up to like the main event, like the fine, the big tournament, you know, uh, with your, you know, with your ADHD or whatever you're taking and then get disqualified, but competing to get to the main event, they're not checking. So basically the qualifying stuff. You can still you can still be doing your drug test. Um, so you can still be taking your drugs to make it there. Again, super weird. Um, it seems like it should be like an all for one thing, but maybe there's just so many uh, qualifying places that they can't regulate it that much. Although, and I would say you know sports they're able to check everything, but sports have a lot more money than esports. Um, they're the, another quote here: the nature of anti. P- PED programs is that they tend to evolve over 
time based on the need of the sport and how the drugs are being used. Esports is a long way from having mandatory drug tests at every single event, and our initial work is a small step is a small first step to a larger governing body involving appeal processes for testing. Anyway, that's that's the majority of the story there. Um, I'm sure you can get pretty in depth on this. Overall, like this probably should be happening. You want to be taken seriously. You got to act seriously. Okay, you know winners don't use drugs. But just kind of interesting seeing this. You know, this is another way of saying you know esports is being legitimized. This is a legitimate practice. Let's go on to questions from you people. Um, let's just see if any Twitter ones came in in the last few minutes before I start. Nope. Okay, so they got a few email ones here. Uh, Dylan wrote in, Is there any games you would recommend to people even though you have barely played it? I feel like this is more of like a game, uh, a question where it's like, was there a game that I particularly didn't like much, but I, you know, I know is quite popular people are into it because then the easy answer is you know call of duty everyone's playing that so you know if you're wanting a shooter just go play some call of duty i haven't gotten much into the fallout series i want to try them again uh, after giving it like one or two minor shots but people seem people went nuts for fallout 4 so there's that um but i'm trying to think i guess fallout hits really because i I like haven't played Call of Duty since Modern Warfare One or Two. Just at a buddy's house, he wanted to just play some something co-op or against each other. But Fallout was a good one where I put like a a, a bit of ch- time into it for sure, but on myself on my own, and it just wasn't my thing. But people are way into that, and I would still recommend that. I haven't played Skyrim ever, and people go nuts for that. You know, there's there's the dirty secret. Um, so I, I could easily recommend that. A lot of the Dragon Age games, I haven't played The Witcher 3 and I really want to, but people are going nuts for that. I would recommend that too. So it's easy to recommend something just kind of by being on the outside and having Twitter and just hearing, apparently this game is amazing, but I just don't have time for it right now. I'm playing something else right now. Joey writes, uh, hope to see the gang all back together here. And if not, to see them reunited soon. Yeah, hopefully next week we'll be reunited. Uh, anyway, handful of questions from him. Number one, are there any video game adaptations that you feel should have worked better than how the end product actually turned out to be? Sheds a single tear for the Legend of Korra games. I mean, I don't get how movie tie-in games are always bad. Like, there's a few minor examples that go from, you know, the, you know Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. That game's fantastic. X-Men Origins Wolverine, that game's pretty good. I'm even a fan of the TMNT game, despite it being super easy and the camera being terrible. That that's, a, that's like a Prince of Persia for kids kind of thing. Um, but I feel like they should have been able to do more with that. And there's definitely some movies where I would I would enjoy a game from that, or it might, it might have been something cool. Now nowadays we just get a lot of like uh, some weird crappy mobile game that just has the name of the movie strapped to it for whatever reason. Yeah, nothing else is jumping to mind at the moment. Number two, uh, one game that I've always seen tons of hype about ever since I first got into gaming was the DuckTales NES games, but for the life of me, I've never been able to totally understand the appeal. Perhaps I just remember too much, 
playing the Game Boy version of the game as a kid, which is really awful renditions of the original music in it, for the record, especially in Transylvania, and never really finding it interesting or worth remembering. To that end, are there any games that have an immense cult following, but you haven't found yourself able to get into? Yeah, I feel like this is kind of Dylan's question again. Um, People are nuts for Dragon Age now. I even tried Dragon Age 1 several times, and I couldn't do it. But just the Elder Scrolls games, that's probably, like, my big one is the Elder Scrolls games. Again, you could say Call of Duty, but, like, that's more a game for normals, if you know what I'm saying. Um, So I'm going to put the Elder Scrolls series down. Three is for John. Let me just double check. Yeah, that one's for John. And four, if you were to design a party game, what would it be like and what kind of mini games, if any, might you include? Initially, I want to say, like, you got to have mini games. But then I think, like, you know, I play a lot of party games that are, like, card games and board games. And you should be able to just turn that into a game. Right? So... I like, when it comes to those games, I like uh, co-op games a lot. Um, So, like, you know, put Forbidden Desert, Forbidden Island as a game. And, you know, they have those on, um, I think they have Forbidden Island on on, uh, iOS, which is, which is, which would be great, which is totally fine. You know, put that, put it on your table. But if we're talking more, like, you know, usual party games, Mario Party stuff, Oh man, how how do you make that fun? You you take out any like element of like luck, like dice roll stuff that Mario Party got into and like Wii Party got into Wii U Party. That's that's just always garbage because then it makes even trying useless. It's got to be about skill. You make the mini games handle nicely, be, maybe be a bit more than just tap A. I know it's supposed to be simplistic just to get people in and out. But I guess that's not... Yeah, I'm trying to think, like, I want him to have more in-depth mini-games, but then that kind of goes against the mar- the party game thing. Maybe I just don't like party games. Maybe that's the deal. Maybe I should just stop playing Mario Party, play more Cards Against Humanity, which I'm already kind of doing. So, there you go. And then on a side note, he mentions, uh, don't know if it's brought to your attention, but you guys have a TV Tropes page now. Feel free to scrutinize it, and fans, feel free to descend upon it and be fruitful. Someone else wrote in about this. I'm not 100% sure who put this together. Uh, if you're the person who did, uh, please just reach out, reach out and let us know so we can you know, thank you on the air and whatnot. But yeah, uh, you guys can just search TV Tropes Top Down Perspective. There's some information about us on there. I'm not 100% sure the point of TV Tropes. Is it, it's kind of like a Wikipedia thing. You just, you just kind of write about the, the piece of entertainment, I guess. It doesn't have to be TV, obviously, because we're a podcast. Oh yeah, there's a couple top-down perspectives. You got to make sure you look, you click the podcast one. Um, but people are like, uh, yeah, the other person wrote in. I think it was Chill and Chum was like, yeah, please, people. Maybe it was him that made it. He was like, yeah, please, people, please, uh, write stuff, fill it out, and let's make it big or something. So if you guys want to fill out the TV shows page, uh, go for that. And uh, thank you guys for setting it up and for and for writing so much. That's that's really cool. Last email comes in from Theodore. He says, hey guys, this is something I've been thinking about for the past couple weeks. How necessary do you think it is for games to be difficult or have a harder difficulty mode? I've seen a lot of people complain about games being too easy and it's made me think about if base level difficulty being high is really necessary. 
I could go on a whole rant, but this is not the time nor place. What I'm really trying to ask here is how important do you think it is for a game to have difficulty? Should it have some challenge even at its most basic level? Or is having a wide spectrum of difficulties from easy all the way up to crying in a corner hard, for some games at least, more important? Yeah, I guess personally, I don't care for the difficulty. I just usually play through it on normal. Even if like Hales, like real players play on hard, that's what you do it. I always just set it to normal. Because, you know, the assumption there is this is what the developers were designing. This is the one. And then they altered the numbers up or down for the other difficulties. And I want to see what the developers were like. This is, like, the true... I, that's how I feel about it. This is the true experience. So it's nice when the game doesn't have any other difficulties. And you see... You don't see difficulties in, like, puzzle games. Because how would that even work? You know, Limbo doesn't have difficulty settings. Braid doesn't have difficulty settings. you got to figure out the twists and do it that way. But for games that have score and stuff, like, like you know, and and where there's like a depth to the mechanics of how you're interacting with it. I'm thinking like devil may cry racing games, like sure. Make the difficulty harder. Cause if you just want more of it, that's how you get more out of your game. So I could see people wanting to, you know, tons of people go back and like, I'm going to play it on the next one. I'm going to play it on the harder one, harder one, harder one, boom. They got tons out of their game. So like, I don't want to say it shouldn't be there. I just personally don't interact with it, as, and but maybe I'm the weird case because I don't go back to games like ever. I always move on to something else. There, the way I kind of look at it personally is, you know, if I want to play a harder version of this, there's so many games out there. I'm sure there's a game like this that people design as, oh, this is like the hard thing, right? Like if I was playing Mario and I was like, what's the hard one? Go play some Super Meat Boy, you know? There's something else there for me. And that way I'm playing two games instead of just one. But no, I, I don't think they should be taken away. Um, cause like, yeah, well, like what's the point of taking them away? It's, it's not like I'm bugged if there's more difficulties in there. And as a complete, as someone who's not a completionist, it doesn't matter to me that I, I didn't do everything or whatever. <clears throat> One more question from Theodore. Has there ever been a game, uh, where for most of the time around the beginning, middle-ish, you just, you're just going through thinking, yeah, this is okay. But then one thing happens either in the plotter mechanics or what have you, and it causes your interest in the game to either skyrocket or fall flat. So kind of a game with like a bad opening. It's got to be something that has like a, a, just kind of an annoying learning curve that takes a while to get through. And, oh, I know there's definitely been some game recently where I was even writing the review and saying that the learning curve is terrible. Disney Fantasia takes forever to get going, but I don't think it gets going enough to totally be a great answer for this. Um, a lot of music games, uh, I feel like as soon as they, when you get, when the music really starts pumping, like the bass drops or you get to a song you really like, that's where it really gets going, which is definitely cool. Um, oh, here's a good one is, um, What's that Connect game? It came out so long ago. This would have been like 2011, 2012. Can't Keep Rockets is in it. It's by the uh, Fez dude. What is that game called? Let's see. Fez game. 
People are probably just screaming at their headphones right now. No, sorry, not Fez, not Fez. I'm uh, Rez. Rez, Rez, what is that game? This is terrible for people listening. I'm trying to find the creators. So I... Child of Eden, there we go. Child of Eden, that's the game I'm talking about. Um, that game starts off a little slow, but then at the end of that like first stage when you turn into like a space star whale phoenix thing, that was definitely cool. That's that's a real interesting one. Um, I'm also going to put Deadly Premonition. That has a super kind of slow start, and then you just start to realize like, what is going on with this game? That's a cool one too. And with along with that, I'm going to put Frog Fractions in there. There's a, there's those ones hit this question perfectly. Nailed it. Boom. I didn't mention this earlier, but if you guys want to write in questions for next week, uh, it's topdownperspective at gmail.com. That's the email address. There's also the Twitter account at TDP podcast. And you can also post on the Facebook group a question uh, and that we will definitely read on the air. What was my game of the week, you ask? Oh, I thought you'd never ask. My game of the week is Rocket League. Definitely Rocket League. Although I'm definitely enjoying Where's My Heart and I'm going to be playing more of that. I just haven't played enough tempo. But yeah, Rocket League is real cool. Hopefully I can get some friends together. That's so good that it's a PlayStation Plus game. That is so good. It's The game's great. Anyway, that's going to do it for me. Thanks again for listening. If you listened all the way through, for sure, uh, to both of us talking solo, these are definitely weird to do. Hopefully I got better at this. I think I said um less, which is, which is good. And again, hopefully I'm sounding better because I got this new mic. If I'm not, I just wasted a bunch of money. Anyway, we'll be back next week, hopefully with John. I'm pretty sure John should be back. All three of us should be together. Um, Unless Paul's working late again. At least two of us will be together. We're always trying for that. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you later.